You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we could produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. And welcome to another episode of the Podmania Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Gutton. I'm joined, as always, by Garth Jackson. How are you, my friend? Good, good, good. Looking forward to talking some more impact. Yeah, Been a good show. It's going to be good. Um, the closer we inch to Bound for Glory, the excitement is palpable now over the podcast. Because Bound for Glory, especially after this week, um, the second to last impact before Bound for Glory... I think the card is looking very, very good. Yeah. Very, very good. Definitely. I mean, um, the, the, they've added a couple of people in over the yeah. last couple of weeks, which is really good. Very much so, very much so. And I think this first match from this taping sort of plays into that a bit more. We'll go into it in a bit more detail in a minute, but let's get straight into it. Another taping from uh, New Mexico. What did you think of the crowd in this show, Garth? Uh, it was a total mixed bag. Yeah, because some of the matches they were silent, and I, I, to be fair to like Josh Matthews and like Don Callis, they tried to play into it where they, they said sometimes the crowd go really quiet when they're really into a match. Um, they're really studious and they like to observe the match, and that's why they're quiet. So, I mean, they're doing the best they can. So it's fair, like sort of fair play to them for that. But yeah, there were some parts and some segments where they were just deadly silent. Yes, and I've seen a lot of negativity towards the crowd on um, the Empire Facebook groups and on mm. social media. Um, I still think this crowd is better than the Toronto crowd. Yeah, um, less smarty. Yeah, the Toronto crowd did tend to be very smarky. Um, I think as well, it's a bigger venue as well, so mm-hmm. the show feels bigger, as it yeah. naturally will. It looks better, and I think when, I mean, when they do sort of get going and do get a good reaction, it does sound a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. It does make them, gives it a much bigger, like a more important sort of feel. Yeah. I think during the opener, and during the main event, um, the crowd were, were into it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think during the Austin Aries and Johnny Mundo segment, or sorry, Johnny Impact, um, or should I say Johnny Two Hundred Five Live? Um, <laughs> there was a lot, you know. The crowd were were really into those three things, but then, you know, on the flip side of that, you've got an open challenge that ends after less than three minutes with a walkout, and you've got a match that pretty much this crowd have already seen in Kira Hogan versus Sue Young. Yeah, I feel like it's. You know, it's it's not surprising that they were quiet for parts of this show. On the other hand, and on the flip side of that, much as we bash the Kira Hogan, Ali, Sue Young and that angle, this, I think, has forwarded the storyline far better and mm-hmm. it's given us something far more engaging because oh, up yeah, until this show, it seemed that Sue Young was just being repeatedly bested by Superhuman Alley. Yeah. And I think 
this itself has made this storyline far more engaging for me. Definitely. It's um and it's it's sort of um reaffirmed that Su Young can be dangerous and she can be a threat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sort of out of nowhere as well. And this was the first real showing I've seen in a while of Su Young where she's used the number numbers advantage to her yeah. advantage. Yeah. You know, she she rolls with her crew of, you know, weird undead zombie people, but doesn't use them. And it just seems very strange to me. But we'll get to that match later on. We opened with a match that was set up last week between Rich Swan and Matt Seidel. Garth, your opinion, please. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It was it was like it was sort of a perfect opener. It was quite it was sort of straight into it, like straight off the bat. There was sort of a really good sort of um, Enziguri by Rich Swan. Yes, there just was. just to start it off. It echoed um, around the arena. Yeah, and I think um, to be fair, I think Matt, Matt Seidel sort of bumped his arse off in this match. He did because it was very much Rich Swan being dominant throughout the match. Yeah, but no. then there was a. I mean, there's some oh, like pretty sort of powerhouse moves by Seidel, like the power bombs from the top ropes and things like that. Yeah, and I think what well what you're referring to where. Um, Rich Swan has uh, Matt Seidel on the top on the top rope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stunned, goes for the Hurricane Rana off the top rope, and Matt Seidel catches it and power bombs him off the top rope. Mm-hmm. But it was all done so smoothly. Yeah. You know, you can tell that these two have really, really good chemistry together. Yeah. And the bit where I love the bit where sort of Seidel tried to do the top rope Hurricane Rana on Rich Swan and just flipped and landed on his feet. Yeah. And the crowd really loved that. The the crowd were into this match. The crowd were into this match. Um, you know, you've got Rich Swan hitting super kicks, you know, doing all his flippy shit, so to speak. <laughs> um, you know, he's coming off the apron. Genuinely really entertaining the crowd. And it looked for the vast part of this match that he had the beating of Matt Seidel, especially once he'd hit the lethal injection and only got a two count. You still thought that Rich Swan was still going to get the win. Yeah. That was changed when Rich Swan goes to the top rope to hit the Phoenix Splash. Um and a mystery person comes out, <laughs> knocks Rich Swan off the rope. Um Matt Seidel picks up the victory after this man picks Rich Swan off the top rope, then walks him to the middle on the apron and then power bombs him. Into the middle of the ring, it looked like a very, very nasty bump. All while the take. refs sort of pretended not to look. Yeah, it was a long <laughs> time for the referee to look the other way in fairness. Um, yeah, so this match was pretty much in canon to introduce this third party into the match. Yeah. We find out afterwards, due to you know, from the commentary team, that it's it's Ethan Page, I believe his name is. Never heard um, of him. <laughs> but apparently, he was formerly Chandler Park. Um, right. Again, don't know who he is, but no. there we are. That was something that was mentioned on um, on the internet. Um, on uh, on the commentary as well, I actually chuckled for like quite a while, longer than I maybe should have, when uh, we were talking about those free hats again. Oh, God, those free fucking hats. And uh, Don Callis just sort of just off 
sort of off the cuff, off hand, just went, so can I get a beret? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, just stupid little remarks like that. It's just, it's like Bobby Heenanisms. It's when Josh Matthews asked him how many he got, and he was like, like 40. <laughs> you have 40? <laughs> um, yeah, so the entire thing now is that Ethan Page has aligned himself with Matt Seidel. They both point at the middle of their heads, you know, the third eye thing, and go up the ramp with the beating of Rich Swan. And that's where it's left for now. We do get some more clarity later on. In fact, let's very, very quickly go into that. Um, backstage promos later on in the show but I think it's yeah. probably best to talk about it now um, Ethan Page seems like a relatively solid talker um, and basically Ethan Page says Rich Swan is stupid for not accepting Matt Seidel's help um, but he's opened his third eye um, and he says that at Bound for Glory he's going to kick him in the brown eye you know ha 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 arsehole <laughs> joke so night, so nineties. It was. It was a very, very poor way to end the promo. Um, but the thing that we take from this is that those two people are entering the tag team division. Matt Seidel and Ethan Page are teaming, and they are entering the tag team division, which bodes very well for this tag team division that seems to be made up of two teams at the moment. <laughs> um, but they challenged Rich Swan to find a partner for Bound for Glory to take on Seidel. And page so this partner is a mystery whether we find out in this week's show the go home show i don't know but i've seen rumors as to who it may be um so someone already there no but it is also not a massive thing it's not a massive return um for those people thinking that it might be chris jericho it it's not um, <laughs> no. Though that will be fantastic. Um, for those people thinking that it's going to be Pack slash Neville, it nah. won't be. Um, so if you skip it ahead like 30 seconds, if you don't want to hear who the chances are, it will probably be Hooven to Guerrero. All right. That's, um, he's m- been, makes sense. Well, he's been confirmed for Bound for Glory. Yeah, and for me, there is nowhere else to fit him in the show. How old is he now? Hooven to Guerrero. Oh, yeah. I don't think he's old. Maybe one hundred and thirty-three. <laughs> he's he's old, man. I mean, not as old as you, but he is he is old. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, um, we cut backstage to our um to our token OVE promo, and yeah. this made so me good. laugh. Um. Dave Christ has been rescued from last week's kidnapping where he was kidnapped and tortured at the hands of the Lucha Brothers. And he is yelling at Jake and Sammy Callahan, saying that they have magical powers. <laughs> they have magical powers. We're way in over our heads. They've got magical powers. Sammy Callahan basically says he's talking shit. Shut up. No, they haven't got magical powers. And every time he tries to talk, Dave Christ goes, they have. So Sammy Callahan has to stop what he's saying, going, no, they haven't. Um... Sammy basically challenges the team of Pentagon, Phoenix, and Brian Cage, the team that are taking on OVE Bound for Glory, to meet them in the ring later that night. Now, obviously, we knew that this wouldn't be a proper match from the get from the from the outset, because why would they throw this away with 
two weeks to go. Well, one week to go before Bound for Glory. Yeah. It it made it made no sense. A face off would have been perfect, and this was what I looked forward to for the entirety of the night because this would ultimately prove to be the main event. Yeah. We then cut to crazy, crazy Eddie Edwards, who <laughs> segment was good. This segment was brilliant. Um. Basically, Eddie Edwards gets a phone call, comes up as Alicia. He thinks Alicia's calling him. It turns out to be Moose, who was, for some strange reason, this he's now kidnapped Eddie's wife and said, do you know that bar in Mexico, the one that shut down in 2014? Eddie goes, yeah, yeah, I know that one. To which we all went, no, you fucking don't. Um, he tells Eddie to meet him at the bar upstairs. Well, for a start, how have you got into this bar? I know, if it's shut down. Exactly. And secondly, once we get to the bar in a couple of minutes' time, there's no fucking way that's been shot since 2014. <laughs> that bar was immaculate. As in, like, pristine white condition, all the walls. Oh, and it was. And we will talk about that little promo later. Um, <laughs> Scarlet Bordeaux then arrives to ruin my day. Um, she arrives, she goes on to commentary. Um, Don Callis is just this ball of just gooey love. Oh, it's, so, it's horrible. It is. It's so creepy, Dad. It's ridiculous. You know, he's like squirting his water, water everywhere. everywhere. Exactly. It's just <laughs> gross. Now, basically, after Scarlet Bordeaux does her typical thing of calling Don Callis a 10 and calling Josh a 5 and ignoring the fact that Josh Matthews is there. We get Eli Drake arriving for his much maligned open challenge. Now, Eli Drake is a fucking treasure. To the point where he said, none of these luchas can lucha like I lucha. Which yeah. is just one of the best quotes in the world. And you know, last week when we were when he said he's going to get a legend down to the ring, and we were saying who it could it be, I, I was trying to think of this person's name and I couldn't. So you thought it was going to be La Parker? Uh-huh. That's who I, that, as soon as you said Legendary Lucha, that's the first person I came out of my mind and I couldn't think of his name. I just saw the skeleton costume. Of and I was like, fuck, what's his name? Of course you did. So, yeah. Seriously, honest. Nah, Scouts on him. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, when he came down, I was like, aye, that makes sense. So, yeah. Basically, he calls out any of the luchas backstage. La Parker comes down to a relatively big pop, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks some shit in Spanish to Eli Drake that is neither translated nor ever spoken about by the commentary team, so that helps. <laughs> um, and the pair engage in a match. La Parker is very old and yeah, very out of shape. Some... There's a really awkward neck breaker. It, I was just about to say that neck breaker looked <laughs> awful. It just and crumbled. It was very much the way that La Parker sold it as opposed to the way that Eli Drake yeah. was performing it. It, it was, was like very when um, chop heavy, very headbutt heavy. It's like when um when Vince takes the stunner. <laughs> just... He just sort of crumbles. <laughs> he does. Um now, as I've, as I've just said, this match is very chop-heavy and very headbutt-heavy, yeah. which is fine, obviously, if La Parker is getting on in age and he didn't seem to be in the peak physical condition that I imagine he's been in. I know very, very little about La Parker. Um, what interested me was 
it seems that Scarlet Bordeaux is scouting Eli Drake yeah. as a manager. Oh, not. I hope not for many reasons. One of which, Impact seem to be wasting Eli Drake at the moment. Like, yeah. completely. They don't have a clue what to do with him. And it just, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you get the idea that they just say to him, just go out and do something? Yeah. And the one thing that's redeeming any of these segments at all is the fact that he's fantastic on the microphone. He's charismatic as balls. But the more they just waste time with these pointless, inane segments, it's dropping his stock every time he comes out. And I think putting him with Scarlett Bordeaux and I feel like she'd be a mouthpiece for him and he, that's not what he needs. He just needs no. direction. He's matches. I mean, for goodness sake, we haven't got a tag division. Put him in the tag team division. Yeah. But that's by the by. Um, I mean, they've only got the one championship now as well because they used to have the TV championship. And that's not a thing anymore. No. I mean, even, I mean, he should be... Imagine him in a programme with Aries, the promos that they could cut. Imagine him in a programme with anyone. Yeah. I'd rather see him in a programme with Falabar than doing <laughs> shit like this. And this was made all the worse by the fact that we didn't even get a finish to this open challenge because yeah. Eli Drake walked out halfway through and got himself counted out, which just left everyone confused. Scarlet Bordeaux left without really saying anything, and we were just left all scratching our heads going, Yeah. What are they doing with Eli Drake? Because as far as I'm aware, Eli Drake is this massive name and I'm I don't even think he's on the card for Bound for Glory. No, it's not. Well not not last I checked. And that's ridiculous. Really. Yes. Well I'm, they still have a week to set something up. They do. And whether it's someone returning to fight Eli Drake and actually have a proper good match then I'm more than happy, but they need to engage him in a program, and soon. Yeah. Uh, we then have another LAX and OG segment. Again, really, really enjoyed this. Conan and LAX are backstage yeah. drinking. The OGs come, spit drinks in the face of Conan. You know, really, really antagonize him, taking the flags of Puerto Rico and Brazil and Mexico, and um, taking the tag team belts, and basically doing everything they can to antagonize Conan into breaking the ceasefire. But he doesn't. No, stands there. <laughs> he does. And basically he says this is all going to be settled in the concrete jungle match at Bound for Glory. Is it no, con- is it a concrete jungle match? Concrete street match? Something like that. Concrete something. Every match. every time they see it, I just imagine like a cage match, but with a concrete wall. Just a breeze block cage. (laughs) That would be savage. (laughs) Well, I've seen something online that suggests that a concrete jungle match, they're going to take up the matting from the uh, from the ring. They're Uh going to remove all the turnbuckles. Nice. So it is going to be a very, very, very painful match. Nice. (laughs) Which you know is going to be good. I'm loving loving everything with King in it. Yeah. Because he's such a fantastic promo guy. Him and Conan together work magic, and it's just made this LAX versus OG's feud. That, to be honest, it's been going on for 
ages, and it really yeah. should have run its course by now, well, but it hasn't. Those two have took away from the fact that all the other members aren't really great talkers. No. So they've sort of propelled the story just between those two, and then the others just do the fighting. Yeah. It's perfect. And then, of course, when they get to the ring, Santana and Ortiz are fantastic in the ring, yeah. and they can sort of paper over the fact that Homicide and Hernandez aren't great. You know, Hernandez yeah, also. Past the best. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be a fantastic match. Again, I am ex- I'm looking forward to it massively. I'm looking forward to what happens in the um, go-home show. We then get Joe Hendry <laughs> versus Murder Clown. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's everything I wanted and worse. It's... Oh, God. Katarina comes down to the ring with Murder Clown, who gets no pop whatsoever from the crowd. Not nothing. Um, and Joe Hendry comes down with Grado. They rip the piss out of Murder Clown for a bit before <laughs> they come to their custom video, which, again, is extremely funny. I really yeah. liked it. thought it was hilarious. Again, if you haven't seen it already, go to Twitter. It's all over Twitter. Um and then we get a match which Joe Hendry is a fucking good wrestler I mean it was an alright match but the the result just think why what's it's not it's not even the result for me basically this match was eventually ended with Murder Clown taking the victory um, with a big splash. Um, then he gets the table out, fights off Grado, and then puts Hendry through the table. It's not the fact that Murder Clown won, because I thought Murder Clown would win because obviously Grado and Joe Hendry have been getting one over on Katarina for a while now. Mm. I just feel that where is this feud going now? Yeah. Because you can't see this murder count doing anything bound for glory or after bound for glory. So, what? unless something happens next week, well, this week, or at bound for glory where Joe Hendry turns on Grado, it's just like they're in a holding pattern and these are just exhibition matches. Yeah, and again... I think they're suffering from something similar to Eli Drake, where there just doesn't yeah. seem to be... There seems to be almost the embers of a feud there, but no one's willing to fan them and make them make it a decent feud. It's like they've got too much good talent and not enough... It's not even enough time. They just don't have any, enough people to write this stuff or something, or they don't have enough opponents for that. It's just it's strange. Like... Joe Hendry and Eli Drake put them in something. There you go. Have you ever thought about a job in the Impact Creative <laughs> offices? I mean, if you look at what we had, and again, I know that it's probably because of adverts on pop TV or whatever, but do we need the Global Wrestling Network? What's it of the week? Nah. Which takes up anywhere between 10 and 20 minutes of the yeah. show. Especially this week's. <laughs> yeah, well, slow in the ring and slow on the telly. 
Um, we'll get into that in a minute. Let's let's talk for a moment about what happened when Eddie met Moose. <laughs> so in the club, in the club. Now, Eddie met Moose in this bar that they both knew had closed in 2014. And Eddie Edwards goes upstairs. Still has electricity, though. Still has electricity. It's been closed for four years. Still has electricity. He goes upstairs to this immaculate, immaculate white room where Moose is sitting with Alicia next to him. He says, Eddie, take a seat. So Eddie then has to walk to the end of this fucking enormous table. I mean, it is obscenely long, this table. (laughs) And he squeezes himself in, because this table is almost too long for the room, so he has to squeeze himself into a chair between the table and the wall. And he's sort of (laughs) sitting there like... Like a little kid? Yeah. Like a little school kid? Okay, now what? And basically Moose goes over (laughs) again really... His promo from a couple of weeks ago where he says that Eddie was a terrible friend when he got injured. You know, he couldn't believe that Eddie didn't call him when he was in hospital after Slammiversary, but Killer Cross, who he'd only spoken to twice, called him, and the person who put him in hospital, Austin Aries, was the person who checked if he was okay. Eddie Edwards admits it, says he was a bad friend, but, you know, there's no need to take it out on Alicia. Moose gets angry, stands up, takes his glasses off. You can tell he's angry now because the glasses are off. Uh, he makes the mistake of calling Moose by his first name as well. Moose does not like that. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, Eddie Edwards then shouts, now at Alicia. Now, for the very, very keen-eyed viewer, you will have noticed that throughout this, Alicia is making not-so-subtle looks at a <laughs> one glass of water on the table. Yeah. Like throughout this, she will be going all the time. Yeah, just, just like staring stop at looking it. <laughs> so, at this point, Alicia tosses the drink in Moose's face, and Eddie attacks. It takes Eddie an age to attack because he's at the other end of this fucking enormous table. <laughs> anyway, he eventually jumps the table, attacks Moose. Killer Cross arrives, starts choking him out. <laughs> Eddie gets him in the eyes, and Alicia tosses the candle stick to Eddie. They. He beats them both up and they run away. Before we cut, Eddie says, wait there to Alicia. They get outside. Wait there, wait there, wait there. He rings Johnny Impact, tells him to go after Austin Aries because his cronies are in this club that shut down in 2014. And if they're there, it means Austin Aries is on his own. So we then get Johnny Impact running round... The... I've got written down the worst chase scene of all time. <laughs> Do you know what? I loved bits of this because he's such a charismatic bastard. He really is. You can tell some of it's totally ad libbed. Totally. Like he's literally walked in and at one point they're all like, uh, what? Yeah. You seen Austin Aries? No? Okay. And then when he grabs <laughs> that guy. Goes... Go on. <laughs> You're going to see what I'm going to see. When he grabs that guy. And um, it turns out not to be Austin Aries. And he just turns to the um, the interviewer and goes, hey, glad you're back. Oh, anyway. It's the, um, that's <laughs> the bit where the security guy in the, in the dark room, he's like, yeah, this is Austin Aries in here. He's like, no, is it Weissant in the dark? It's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just little bits like that that are funny. 
Um, anyway, makes his way to the ring after not being able to find Austin Aries and calls him out. Aries comes out in a sling. The moment he was in a sling, I was like, No, he's not. <laughs> That's not real. Yeah, he's limping as well. Yeah. So he comes to he comes to the ring, Austin Aries, and I'm not joking, this promo is in two parts. And honestly, these might be the two just most hilarious bits of promo work. When he's claiming his injuries, he says it in the most pathetic way. <laughs> so yeah, that's so fun. When you attacked me with me title, I tried to get my arm up. So not only did I get a concussion from where you hit me, I've also ended up with nerve damage in my shoulder where I pulled my arm up. And then on my way back to the ring, I fell off the stairs and I twisted my ankle. <laughs> which, <laughs> which Johnny Impact then just tops it all off by saying. It does sound like you've had a terrible day. <laughs> and just just the entire bit was just like brilliant. Brilliant. It's a comedy but then Aries just flips a switch. He does full full shoot. Exactly. We go full shoot promo then because we he seems to flip a switch, like you say. And he says, Why are you here? I've already beaten you. It took me forty five seconds to win this championship while you <laughs> failed to win this championship. Yes, I can promise that Moose and Killer Cross aren't going to get involved, because why would I need them? I've already beaten you. And basically, he goes on to say that this pomp and circumstance that Johnny Impact's got, these flashy trousers, this flashy jacket, his flashy look, Austin Aries will come to the ring in plain black trunks, in plain black boots. doesn't even give a shit if he plays music, because he will beat him because he's a better wrestler. It's just, it's just, you can see, like, Johnny Impact's starting to get a bit annoyed. Yeah, you can. Because he starts going, you finished? And he's like, no, I'm not. Yeah, actually, no, I'm not finished. Um, And then he says, do you know what? At least I know who I am. I'm a world champion. You, you're Johnny Mundo. You're Johnny Impact. You're Johnny Nitro. Ooh, we made WWE references. You're John Morrison. Yeah. Basically, you don't know who you are. So let me... Johnny... Go on. Johnny 205. Yeah, he says, before you become Johnny 205... And everyone goes, oh, shit. You know, yeah. <laughs> he basically says, you know, let's. you've got two choices. You can either go into Bound for Glory on your own and lose, or you can come and join me. Johnny Impact says, well, I'd rather be stretched out on my own than join you. Ares, oh, surprise, his sling wasn't real. He, atta- <laughs> he attacks Johnny Impact. And Impact ends up with the upper hand, hit Starship Pain. Early prediction, Garth. Obviously, we've got one more show before Bound for Glory on Sunday. Is Johnny Impact walking away with this title? Percentage chance. 60% Johnny Impact. You think You think Johnny Impact's walking away with it? Possibly. Why? I just think because they've built up his return so big and they've, I don't know, I think, if he doesn't, I think it's, well, it'll be screwy. He's not going to lose clean, I don't think. No? If he does lose, I don't think he's losing clean, but I just think, I don't know. I I don't know. Because Ares has got other stuff he can do, doesn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. Because he hasn't been he hasn't been back to Ring of Honor for a while. I don't know. So I don't. Know. I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't mind either way. <laughs> the only the only reason we'll get into this uh, when we do our Bound for Glory predictions, um, which will be released on Saturday. Garth, did yeah. we say Saturday? We said Saturday. Saturday yeah. Um, I just I can't see them having built up this Moose Killer Cross and Austin Aries thing between Slammiversary and Bound for Glory for it not to take effect at Bound for yeah. Glory. It seems. I don't know. It seems odd. That's the only thing I think. I think if they come into play, they will or even play, obviously, or even something like Killer, um, not Killer, uh, Congo Kong or something getting involved. Yeah, something like that. Like, because he just came and went. <laughs> yeah, he did. Really, he's still in that swimming pool. Um, <laughs> we next got Brian Cage saying Brian Cage things about wanting to kill the Christ brothers. Um, it was very intense, and then he flexed, which made it less intense. Um, the Desi Hit Squad are backstage talking about how they keep losing and how last week was their chance to beat LAX, and they couldn't, and now they've got to go back to the back of the line, that really short line, because there's only four teams or three teams or whatever. Uh, Garma Singh arrives, beats them with a broomstick, and says that they're going to fight each other next week to find out who the weak link is. I think that's quite uh, quite a good dynamic. It's a good there's dynamic. An, it gives there's an idea to sort of... It gives us reason to want to watch them. Yeah, it does. And also it gives us a chance to see this showcase of the talent they've got. Uh-huh. Because at the moment, like, like we've said before on this podcast, they seem to be used as enhancement talents for other people's stories. You know, even KM and Falabar, for God's sake. Yeah. Which, you know, much as I love Falabar and he's my spirit animal, <laughs> he's he's not... What was that? It's <laughs> 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 not like Jimmy Carr. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway. Cracking up. Oh, God, it's so late. Um... What was I saying before you interrupted me with that weird pop laugh? <laughs> Something about Falabar. Falabar being my spirit animal. Oh yeah, but he's he shouldn't. They shouldn't be going over the the Desi Hit Squad if they are nah. in line for a title shot. It just it makes no sense. We then had the slowest the slowest global wrestling network flashback of the week. It was less a flashback and more a slow slow <laughs> recap. Of Sting versus Hulk Hogan from Bound for Glory 2011, it was a slog to get through that Garth. Yeah, I, I, I fast forwarded to the end. Yeah, I did. I watched bits of it, and then I was like, "I'm done. I'm so yeah. done." We You've got get... like Ric Flair screaming. You've got in a ring in 2011. You have got Hulk Hogan, Sting, and um, Ric Flair. Oh, no. All of you are past your sell-by dates. All of you. And, Even and, you, Sting. Um, what do you call him as well? Um, Scott Skiner. Scott Skiner, yeah, of course. Another one far past his prime. <laughs> I just, it was just, it was, oh, it, it was not good. Scarlet Bordeaux's backstage again, which made me annoyed. Um, yeah. Basically, Pointless. Petey Williams tries to teach her the Canadian Destroyer. 
Um, she's still on this weird talent hunt. Apparently, it is not her pimping herself out. That's been made far clearer this week. Um, and basically, somehow, she's managed to set up a fatal four-way between Petey Williams, a man called Jack Evans, Trevor Lee, and a man called the Puma King. I imagine the Puma King is the man dressed as a cat in a king hat. Yeah. That would make sense. Um, <laughs> at one point, I'm sure the Puma King meowed. Is is Jack Evans a British one? Or am I thinking of somebody else? No, you would you would assume Jack Evans. Jack Evans sounds about as British a name as you can get. Without calling him, you know, British McBritish face. <laughs> It, you know, you're pretty much guaranteed he's going to be. Um, yay, we get Pete Williams on TV. Yay, we get Trevor Lee on TV. Yeah. It's a contrived way to get them on TV. Apparently all fighting for the affections of Scarlet Bordeaux, which means we get more fucking Scarlet Bordeaux next week. But there we are. <laughs> she can wrestle, man. Just put her in the knockouts division. Yeah. If she can wrestle, put her in there. I know she can wrestle. I've seen her <laughs> wrestle. Stop making her talk and do these cringy-ass segments. Fuck's sake. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we then get a match that we said at the start of the podcast, I feel like I've seen about 500 times, um, where Kira Hogan is taking on Sue Young. One thing I will say about Kira Hogan is that she improves every time I see her. Yeah, that's the first thing I want me to notice. Like, she looked really good. She really sort of upped her game for this match. She really did. She really did. And Sue Young actually got offense in in this match. Yeah. And therefore, it made it a lot more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Kira Hogan's suicide dive wasn't great. <laughs> it was very Brie Bella. Yeah, I was going to say it was like it was like it was in slow motion as well. It, but then she did redeem herself by countering a panic switch into a sit-out power bomb. Which looked yeah, really cool. cool. Yeah. Um. You know those, those drop stuff. kicks. She does pretty good as well. She does. She does. I think she might have missed something in the corner. But do you know what? She's improved loads. Yeah. And bearing in mind she's only twenty four as well, which again made me feel old. It must have made you feel ancient. Hmm. Um. It was. It was. Uh, you know. know I'm past counting. <laughs> <laughs> you know she's she's improved. She's improving all the time. I'm. You know. I'm happy watching her wrestle. Um. Anyway, she goes to the top rope. She's distracted by the bridesmaid. Um, the bridesmaid is then attacked by Ali. Um, and Sue Young gets Hogan up for the panic switch. One, two, three, matches over. Now, post-match, the bridesmaids, who have been conspicuous by their absence the last couple of weeks, wheel out a coffin. Ali goes to fight off Sue Young. Um, Sue Young tries to get Ali in the coffin. Hogan sacrifices herself, gets dumped in the coffin, and Ali has lost another friend. Now, the thing I took from this is people need to stop being Ali's friend. (laughs) Because otherwise you end up in coffins. Yeah. Rosemary, (laughs) Kira Hogan, Tessa Blanchard was just associated with Ali. She nearly ended up in one. Just just avoid it. (laughs) Just avoid her at all costs. Now, one thing we have both said is that Ali does not cut a very good promo. But this nah. bit backstage, her freaking out about how she'd failed, but she knows what she's got to do now, I quite enjoyed. 
It was it was alright, yeah, it was, it was sort of Okay, when I say I quite enjoyed it compared it was good it for... to what we usually have from yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna the say. Very yeah, it's... Forced emotion. At least this didn't it's... seem forced. Yeah. It... Yeah, it had a reason. <laughs> we then get a video package hyping the match between Tessa Blanchard and Taya Valkyrie. Considering this is a match that has had little to no build, because obviously Ty Valkyrie called out Tessa Blanchard on screen, I'm looking forward to it. I think this could be a fantastic match. Yeah, it should be. Tessa Blanchard I mean, has been just the standout of these shows between Slammiversary and Bound yeah. for Glory. Ty Valkyrie, you know, whenever she wrestles, she's fantastic. This could this could be a potential show stealer between these two. I think I think because they've got very similar. Um, like fight styles and and stature, they're gonna. It's gonna be a lot easier for them to go toe to toe. Yeah, absolutely. They are very similar wrestlers. I can see that. Yeah, and I think um, I'm quite. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and it's a good. It's a. It's a perfect way to have a return as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We then get tonight's main event, which is a proposed match between OVE, Sammy Callahan, Jake, and Dave Christ. Taking on Pentagon, Phoenix, and Cage. Um, obviously, this instantly just gets degraded into a brawl. There's no match here. It gets thrown out very, very quickly when Sammy attacks the referee, when it's obvious that they aren't getting the upper hand. A lot of Phoenix and Pentagon offense. A lot of um, Brian Cage Brian offense. Cage. Moonsaults. Yeah. Brian Cage is a machine, hence his name. Um, He hits a moonsault and then he hits a suplex from the inside to the outside on Jake Crist, (laughs) which is just ridiculous. You do see him turn straight away and ask someone if they're okay. I think he he turned to Pentagon and said, are you okay? But then he gets up, just stands there and says, I am the fucking machine, (laughs) which is brilliant. I just wish they hadn't bleeped fucking out. Because it was was so in, in keeping with his character. Yeah, and I mean, it's the type of thing you think, hold that back. <laughs> yeah, what, why would you want to hold that back, though? He's the machine. It just it yeah. plays into his character. Look at him. You can't tell me that man doesn't swear. <laughs> um, the, um, the, he did that really weird sort of double, like, Oklahoma plex on the Chris Brothers. The man's just a machine. The man's baffling. Absolutely baffling. So then the ref calls DQ for something. I think it's because Sammy cuts it, uh, Sammy attacks him. Is it? I think that's the reason. <laughs> Sammy attacks him to save the Crest brothers. I think that's what was supposed... That's what I got from it anyway. I just saw the ref sort of call it and I thought, which, at what point was that for? <laughs> it could have been for either side. True. Um, after this suplex, um, Phoenix then gets into the crowd and hits a spinning corkscrew plancher from the crowd onto the pile of bodies, and that is where the show closes. Because, and this is something that annoyed me, why would you be having a brawl, and then in the middle of the brawl, stop broadcasting? <laughs> it's like, uh, sorry guys, we overran with the Scarlet yeah. Bordeaux stuff, so I have to cut your match We've got to go. It's like, why have you got to go? No. <laughs> What are you doing? Anyway, that was the end of the show. Next week, the go home for Bound for Glory 
We have got a summit between LAX and the OGs. <laughs> Anything with King and Conan in, I am down for. We have got yeah. Tessa Blanchard taking on a lady called Kayra, who I assume is a Mexican wrestler. We have got that fatal four-way between Trevor Lee, P.T. Williams, Jack Evans, and Puma King. And then okay. the main event of that show is a six-man tag. Eddie Edwards, Johnny Impact. I was going to call him John Morrison then. Falabar, <laughs> bah, versus Jeez. Moose, Ares, and Killacross. They're going to have to give themselves a name. They are going to have to give themselves a name. Um, as a go-home to your biggest show... Nothing's jumping mm. out at me. No, there's really. Um, the, the, they've got to set a lot of stuff up during the the, the show. Yeah, because there's no Ed. Uh, there's no um, Eli Drake on there. There's no Rich Swan, Matt Seidel on there. Um, who else is missing? Sue Young's not on there. No, Ali. Quite a lot. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just to recap the Bound for Glory card as of that taping um, from the 4th of October, we have got Matt Seidel and Ethan Page versus Rich Swan and AN Other. We've got Eddie Edwards taking on Moose. That is now on the Bound for Glory card. That was confirmed yeah. this week. We have got the Knockouts title match between Tessa Blanchard and Taya Valkyrie. We have got the OVE Rules match. That was the stipulation that was confirmed this week. What that means, I do not know. So that's between OVE and Pentagon, Phoenix and Brian Cage. And then we've got the Concrete Jungle Deathmatch between LAX <laughs> and the OGs. That sounds unnecessarily apocalyptic. It does. And the Impact World Title Match between Austin Aries and Johnny Impact. So already we have got one, two, three, four, five. Sorry, one, two, three, four, five. We've got six matches already. You would hope to have seven, eight. Yeah. So we're looking at potentially another two matches. Another one at least. Who that's going to be, you've got a lot of people you can use that aren't on the card already, especially if you're not going to use one of those talents as Rich Swan's mystery partner. Mm. But overall... Decent show. I think it was rescued somewhat by the Austin Aries and Johnny um, Impact segment. Um, I think storylines yeah. were certainly progressed. The matches, you know, you can miss them, to be perfectly honest. There was nothing out of the ordinary this week. Yeah, I think quite secondary, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were. But, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of this week's Impact review. However, we have got one more Impact taping before Bound for Glory. Um, When we're going to review that, I don't know. Probably Saturday, and we will do a bumper special where we do the go-home and our Bound for Glory predictions. Yeah, Um, because I can't imagine the the go-home show being sort of heavy on big matches. No, so I imagine it will be a lot. They won't, they won't go long, so no, yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. So we'll do that on Saturday. Uh, me and Chris will be giving you our King of Pro Wrestling review later on this week, possibly on Friday. I will let you know via Twitter, and then next week 
on probably the Friday. But again, that's not confirmed yet. We will give you our Bound for Glory review because unfortunately I am away for the week. Yeah. Very, very poor planning from me, but we will find a way to do it, whether <laughs> one of us rings in and we do it that way, I don't know. But yeah. thank you for listening, guys. Uh, if you fancy talking to us, you can, as always, fans on Facebook and on Twitter at, at Podmania. You can talk to me at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Garth, they can find you at... At, uh, at Drummer Jackson. <laughs> did you forget your own Twitter handle then? I totally did, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was thinking about the PPW stuff. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and also on CastBox. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel where PPW Podmania Pro Wrestling is taking place using Fire Pro Wrestling. We've got the draft and the first episode of my show, Ignition. On Saturday will be Chris's show, CXT, and the week after will be Garth's show, Showtime, the place where people go to die. Hey, hey. <laughs> it's where they go to pick up the big dollar. And not do anything because you've given them all creative control. Hashtag WCW. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you guys again soon. See you later, guys.